but you don't know all, all the results. Um, and Eric will be talking a little bit about this later on at the end of the service as well. But uh, it, was, it was a tremendous event that God, God did. And um, we, our trust in that is it's a, it was a successful event because it wasn't a period at the end of it, but it was a comma. It was really a launching pad for us to be able to, to get people exposed, get ourselves <laughs> exposed of what's going on in human trafficking globally, nationally, and even locally, and for us to start building some relationships with people and organizations uh, at those levels uh, that are doing something about it. And uh, so there were, uh, um, we had a different setup last night. Uh, We had every chair out, and so there was over 200 people crammed in and and people standing standing around. and there were several churches that were represented in leadership um, as a part of this thing, which I know is a part of what God's hand of blessing is as well as we press forward. Um, Life's Journey, Willowbrook, uh, ourselves, and, and folks from other churches as well. Um, so pleased. Um, we, de- we decided that we wanted to take up a collection that would go toward the studio, where, which Lynn Caffrey, who spoke, um, uh, would go to her and her organization and uh, there, was, there was over $2,200 that came in last night uh, through the offering baskets and through, uh, through the, uh, the box that was in the back. And then there's also some sales of art um, that are still taking place that, uh, that that's going to go as well uh, to it. And so just really, really pleased with what God, God did. And just starting to stir in my mind, like, okay, what does God want to do next? And not sure exactly, but I imagine God wants to do what was a microcosm like last night at a larger level of the, for the body of Christ in this city to be able to come together and to say, all right, this is the reality of what happens uh, in, our, uh, in our world uh, currently, and what can we do about it? And for the Christians, again, to say, all right, we want, we want to respond to Christ financially with our time with our ability, with our influence, and to be a part of, of, of the solution. But I, I'm very grateful to, uh, to Katie Calvert for just listening to the Lord uh, on this and uh, being a part of uh, seeing us birthed. Uh, thanks to Eric Morgan, um, who just, he's worked incessantly. I mean, there's hundreds of hours, of man hours, that have gone into, into last night and what God's doing, and just so grateful. There's many of you guys, you helped set things up. And baked cookies, and, and I mean every, I mean so many things that that played a part in leading and serving and making it happen, and those that, that were a part in participation. So thank you guys for being a part of that. Um, next week uh, we're uh, we're going to have a vision day, and we're gonna we're gonna say we're gonna say to the Lord, reveal to us and reveal to the church what it is that you're stirring uh, in us, and. Uh, one of the things that, that we're going to do next week is we're actually going to be praying over two of our men that God has raised up to send out from, from our church uh, into, into ministry. Uh, one of them is John Stow, uh, who is currently in a residency with Sojourn Church um, to uh, be prepared to plant a church uh, in the Five Points area, right in, in, in our own city. Um, uh, within the next year, and uh, so we're excited about that. So we're going to be praying over him. Uh, another one, Matt Rigney, um, who has been the uh, director of Children's Discipleship, um, 
who uh, we're in prayer over him because he's looking in the summertime to move his family to Austin, uh, Texas, and to take a residency with an Acts 29 church there because uh, the, the, the call to plant a church in Austin, that's what he's, his trajectory is. And so we're, we just want to pray over these, these men for their families as they, uh, as they press forward. And I'm just thrilled about what God's doing and raising people up and sending them out. One of the primary DNA points of Sojourn Church is to raise up missionaries that, that are sent out within our church and even sent out outside, outside of our church. Um, so we're, we're excited about that. Um, so listen, let's pray, and we're going to read through Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we should receive from you right now the blessings that come from you, Holy Spirit, uh, that you just breathe over this place, that you touch every man in here, God, uh, that you would uh, help him to know that he is a chosen son of God, uh, that he can't be separated from you. If he's come to that place of heart change and surrender, there's nothing he can do that separates him from the love of Christ. Uh, all of his sins have been, have been, clean, have been cleansed and forgiven, uh, and that he is able then to, to be broken because of his sin, yet without a condemnation. Bless every man in here. Bless every woman in here, Lord. Uh, may, may they know that, God, they're, that they're part of the, the apple of your eye, that you, you love them and have such a special place in the world and in the kingdom of God for godly ladies for Christian women, Christian girls, God. Uh, they, they're very encouraged just knowing that the beauty that you see in them and that you place in them that explodes out through them through the power of the Holy Spirit. May they be encouraged um, by you today, Lord. For every student, for every kid, whether they're here or whether they're, uh, whether they're crying right now, Lord, whether they're uh, upstairs in, in the middle of discipleship, Lord, we love our kids. And uh, we celebrate them, Lord Jesus. We declare your blessings on them, God. And uh, that, that they're not just the, the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And that we need them, Lord Jesus, um, to, to see just the, the, the beauty, the innocence that they see without being jaded uh, in this world. Yet, God, we need that to affect us as, as adults, God. And so together we go. Together we're impacted by your word. Press us forward and worship through the preaching of your word even right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, Ecclesiastes 12. Let's read through it, and uh, then we'll unpack it. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the days, the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they're few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low, and the one rises up at the sound of, the, of a bird, and all the daughters of a song of song are brought low. They're afraid of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about in the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. 
Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Being, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there's no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. There's the word of God. So let's, uh, let's unpack this uh, as we get to the conclusion of this big story that's been written by this professor, by this teacher, this preacher, uh, by, by Solomon. Uh, he's ending his teaching through this last little section, and he begins his summary statements by telling us to seize the day while we can. Verse 1 said, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days came, come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the evil days come. This is a poetic way of describing the brokenness of the world, which, is going, which will bring jadedness. The further that you walk, the older that you get. And, and we see the things that happen. We see the brokenness. Even last night, as, as we hear more about human trafficking, it's, it's easy to go one path rather than another. One path is like is one to say, oh God, I, 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 I want to I, I respond and I, I want to be a part of what you're doing. But the other is one to say, is to say, I, I just ignore it because it hurts. It's so painful. I, I've talked to I mean, my wife, and, and, and I know others that it's just like, you know, there's, there's some point in which the, the pain level, is, it just rises so high in the middle of hearing the stories. And, and uh, sometimes it feels like it's just it's too much, and you, should, well, you need to escape. Or you feel like you need to escape, and you want to ignore it. But the other is, is just to, to turn bitter, to turn sour, and just say, man, the world stinks, and we all stink, and just follow a, follow a path that, that it's hopeless and, and helpless, and just turn inward upon yourself. A jadedness is what takes place if we're not, not careful. It talks about the remembering your Creator in the days of your youth. We are to invest heavily in the knowledge of God and in the experience of God before we're too jaded. That means kids, if you think about it, and uh, during the, the young parts of your years and, and the innocence and the naivety, those are the days to invest deeply in your relationship of Jesus Christ. This speaks heavily to those that are parents, that while kids have not been fully exposed to the world, and by the way, my, my philosophy is basically a, a, a three-season philosophy of parenting, which one is season one is sheltering uh, and to where you, you, there is no need at all to get them around the crap in this world. You want to protect them. You want to shelter them. I mean, you hear that term sometimes, oh, they're so sheltered, they're so sheltered. Now, if they're 32 years old and they're sheltered, that's a bad thing. If they're five years old, it's a beautiful, good thing to shelter them. Shelter them from some of the things that we talked about last night. The second phase, though, in in parenting and in growing up uh, is one of exposure with oversight, with gospel oversight. 
that what happens is as kids continue to grow, they get exposed to the world. In fact, we, we do them a disservice if at certain ages, and God has to define where those lines are, to where we keep them sheltered, to where we don't, they don't find out anything about any other people, that you don't allow broken people into your friendships and into your life. You're not a friend of sinners because you want to keep your kids away from that. And that's not the way of Jesus Christ. They're going to be exposed to brokenness. You don't throw them out into the middle of the highway but knowing that, okay, as we walk life out, there are opportunities, there's things that, they will, that they'll be exposed to through school or wherever, through their friends, that as, they're, as they see the brokenness, that we're there and we're asking the questions, we're processing it with them, we're praying with them, and we ask, what does God have to say about this? How does the gospel apply to this? So that you finally get to stage three, which is a complete release as a missionary into the world. And that's the ultimate responsibility of every parent is to prepare your kids to be launched as godly missionaries into a world that needs them. As they do that, they're going to be exposed more and more, and the potentiality of jadedness is going to be there to to ignore the problem, to escape from the problems, the, the brokenness. That's why it's vital in the early days that we plant the beauty of God the scriptures of God into them, and, but not only that they would know about God, but they would know Him as well, experientially. Leonard Sweet said years ago um, uh, when, when a lady was asking, you know, how can I get my, how can I get my, uh, um, my child to, be, to believe in God? And he said, well, your question's not quite right. What you need is to not only know how your child can believe in God, but to know how to experience God. And so, you may not even be a parent in here, but think about if there was a child in your care right now, how much worship of God, how much the singing, singing to God would they experience around you? Because the bringing of the presence of God, the, the love of God, the enjoyment of God, are you experiencing God? Are you enjoying God? And so if some of y'all, you need to dig your well before you're thirsty, you don't have kids yet, you need to become a person that not only you grow in your understanding of God, but man, you're a person that you desire to experience Him too. And those of you, you may, you're, you're parenting, you're in the beginning of the days, you're in the middle of the days, maybe your kids are getting close to being uh, out, of, out of the nest, it's never too late. Dig in to the Word of God yourself. Experience Him and invite your kids into it. Regardless, we need to invest in ourselves. The more you understand about God and the more you experience Him, then when the elements, the storms, and the brokenness comes and it, and it looks at you right in the eyes from two inches away, the more you say, I know my God. I know my God. And He loves us in the middle of this pain. He loves us. Verse 2 uh, it says, Before the sun and the light and the moon, the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. We, we talked earlier, uh, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the clouds, how they come. And, and you see, you see the, the problems and the, they come. The storms are going to come. And the more you grow in your experience and the knowledge of God, the less jaded you will be when the storms hit you. Because they will continue to hit you in this broken world until God comes finally at the end. Now, verse 3 and beyond, he starts 
he starts uh, some poetic language to describe what happens the older that you get. Verse 3 and 4. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors of the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. This is, this is a, a very versed poet that's describing what happens as, as age builds more and more. Um, you guys, you're going to get old. You're going to get older and older. And as you do, the painfulness, the fragility of life only increases. In verse 3, when it talks about the keepers of the house trembling, you know, mo- most, most uh, of, uh, of, of commentators and, and scholars out there, they say that, that he's now going to start describing how parts of the body start failing. The keepers of the house, the arm, that's the arms. The strong men are, are bent, that's the legs of a person in age. The grinders, they cease because they're few. Talking about the teeth in a person's head. Talking about looking through the windows and, and they're, they're dimmed. It's with it's eyes, cataracts, and just eyesight starts to fail you. In verse 4, um, the sound of the grinding is low when hearing starts to, to decrease. And one rises at the sound of a bird. The older you get, sometimes you just you can't sleep well. The body fails you. Verse 5, they're afraid also of what is high and terrors that are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. And, you know, the older you get, talking about being afraid, fears increase. Can I really take care of myself? The almond tree blossoming. People start getting those gray hairs and eventually... The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper. The grasshopper drags itself. People have trouble walking. Desire fails. Sexual drive decreases. Yeah, you, you've seen the commercials, right? And you get the emails for people who want to supply for that demand, right? And then death comes. Death comes because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. He said the cord is snapped, the bowl broken. The water, water is is just known as being life and life given. He's showing these pictures of the day is coming. Death is coming. It's coming. Before the evil days come, what God wants us to do is He wants us to know there's days in which we're going to tremble. There's days in which we're, we're just not, we're not going to have the same mental sharpness that once was there the same kind of memory. There's a humiliation that comes with old age. And, and I, didn't, I didn't understand it until I started seeing it in grandparents a few years back and then just with starting to see some of it even in, in my parents. And it's like, my goodness, Lord, I didn't expect it to, to look quite like this. And yet it, it's always telling the story. This is a broken world. And there's broken people that need Savior. 
to build a mosaic out of their brokenness, to build beauty out of the ashes. If you're young and healthy right now, you need to say, God, I want to glorify you. I want to glorify you, God, by using my energies to take risks for the kingdom of God. Later on, later on in life, you're always, we're always to take risks. We're always to be people of faith. But let's just face it, the younger that you are, uh, the, the, if, you, if you're not married, man, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities that you can take. If you're married and don't have kids yet, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities and risks that you can take. When you start having kids, things, things settle, and it's a different season. It's a, different, it's a calling that God has on you, and, and you're not, you just don't have the same, the same type of mobility that you had before. And you embrace the season, each season that you're in, and don't envy another season. Don't say, well, if I was only married, or if we, if, if we only didn't have kids, or if I just had kids, I'd be happy. I'd be okay. I could do more for Christ. Don't be like that. Embrace the season that you're in, and don't fret over the past seasons where, where you say, I, I wasted time. Just say, all right, God, you're such a great redeemer that you can take even what, what Scripture says, what the grasshopper has eaten, what the locusts have eaten and taken away, and you can restore it. Trust the Lord for that and for him to do an amazing work of restoration, reconciliation, and he can use you. Never let your past failures paralyze you from what God wants you to do in the future, especially what he wants to do right now. But take the risks. Take the risk to expand his kingdom. Ask God with arms fully open. Say, God, I, I offer you here. This is all that I am. This is all that I have. This is all that I can do. I offer it all to you, Lord. And you can rearrange it however you want. Take me anywhere you want. Use my money because it's not my money. Use my time because it's not my time. Use my abilities because they're not my abilities. Use my influence, because it's not my influence. Use me, God. There's nobody in heaven right now that says, yeah, I wish I'd had a little more time for my, myself. Yeah, I wish, wish I could have done a little, little more of the me stuff. Nobody in heaven is thinking that. And, and there's no condemnation either of just saying, oh, I wish I'd done more too, but what if we could take that, that kind of perspective right now and just say, God, I want, to, I want to live with an eternal purpose. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what's it say next? Tell me. All these things shall be added in, unto you. And God gets to define what that means in your life. Basically, He just says, all the stuff that you have in your hand, it's like if you, if you give it all to Him for His kingdom and for for righteousness and to, to be a part of rescuing those that need to be rescued through, through the evangelism and through justice, that God says, look, whatever else that I give you, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It may not be prosperity. Probably won't end in the way that you thought it was when you were 12. But it'll be awesome what God does in you and through you. challenge you uh, in whatever age that you are and, and, and thinking through even the concepts of, of retirement in old age. Um, I, now, I'm all, for, I'm all for investment. God, God talks about 
being wise with finances. Even Proverbs talks about um, uh, good, good men leaving, leaving houses to their children's children, uh, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that, you're, that you have to leave so many houses out there uh, that, that your grandchildren have houses. The point is that it's great to plan well to where it blesses other people, including your own family. So God's not against wealth being used in those, in those ways. But you know what God doesn't want? He doesn't want us to buy into this American concept of retirement that someday that I can get to a place where I don't have to work, I can just go to the golf course, I can just walk on, on the beach, and man, I got all this time to, my, to myself, and it's me, 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 me time. You know? You know, I love the idea of getting to a place and you're saving and all that to where you don't have to be propped up by maybe the career that you were in, and God trans, transitions you and transitions your season into a new place of risk, a new place of ministry for, for the kingdom of God, but do not buy into the concepts of retirement. There is no biblical concept of retirement. There's giving all that you have with all of your hours and all of your energies till you die, and God's glorified. God's glorified. Verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. So he's, he's bringing it to the end. He's saying, okay, at the end of, at the end of life, all of the things that, that you've done, it's a vapor. That, that the term vanity, sometimes it's uh, interpreted as meaningless. It's just, it's... In one way, it's saying you're not going to find meaning anywhere but, but God. In the other, it's just this mystical, mysterious concept of just life is a vapor. It's a vapor. It's going to be gone before you know it. And uh, it just, it's, I don't know what it is. I know time, I know we're all experiencing the same seconds and the same minutes right now. And yet, me as, me as an, uh, a parent, with my kids, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, mine's running faster than some of y'all's. Because as I see my kids grow, it's like, no, that's, that's just, there's just no way. There's no way that Blake is a sophomore and he's about to turn 16 and will be driving on our streets by himself. There's just no way. No way that can be the case. It's a vapor. All right, he continues on, verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goats, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there's no end, and much study. Is weariness of the flesh. The words of the wise are like goads. You know what a goad is? A goad is a big, hard, sharp stick, like a cattle prod, keeping things moving. And so the wisdom of God is something that says, you know what, you will not be able to just sit still. You will not be able to just turn inward and just focus upon yourself. The wisdom of God is something that will goad you along. It will press you forward, and that's a blessing. That's a blessing. God doesn't want you to stay. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to become stagnant. He wants you to be, if life is like water, then when we sit and when we turn inward, we become a swamp. 
and it stinks. God wants us to be a mighty, flowing, rushing river. That as much that comes into our life that's blessing, it flows right out from us. As much as we get and receive, we give it away. We're just constantly being used. We're, just, we're basically a pipe, a vessel by which God, the Holy Spirit, just flows right through us. Every one of us, when you say, God, just may I be a, a pipe. It's a vessel by which I don't, I don't stop you up. I don't reject you, but I don't, I don't just get fat where maybe I, I get data and information and resources. Man, great sermon there. Whoa, wasn't that great and all that, but I don't care about doing anything. Constantly, God's speaking to us and we act. God speaks to us and we act. We respect Him so much that He says something to us and we say, okay, God, absolutely. And it's just a step by step by step moving forward. Now, what's beautiful is He talks about the greatness of wisdom and how God speaks, and in particular, thinking about the Bible, being a Berean person. The Bereans were known as, as being those that and they constantly filtered everything that they were taught through the Word of God. We need to be Berean people. We need to be people of the Word that are able to filter things through the Word of God. You know what that means? That means you've got to know it. It means you've got to spend time in the Word of God for you to be able to have a filter. It's, it's, it's like this, that, that what happens is, is that we're deceived easily when the Word of God is not in us. Just like people, a cashier who is not trained can easily be uh, fooled by counterfeit money. And some of y'all have heard this illustration before, but that uh, the way that they train people to, to be able to spot counterfeit or the deception of money is not that they study the deception and, and know it so well. It's that they spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours with the real thing, with the real money, to where they, they recognize it. They feel it. They know what it sounds like. You know what my problem is and your problem is so much of the time is we don't spend enough time with the real truth. And we're deceived. Deceptions come and we just fall for it. So that, it's not that we've got to spend all this time studying deception. You don't have to do that. You don't have to spend tons of time studying Satan and demons. Dive into Jesus. Get into the Word of God, and then when the deception comes, you're just going to go, ink. you know, you got that little pen, they go, zip, yep, that's what I thought. It's counterfeit, it's deception. And he says, in here, he says, uh, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there's no end. Much study is weariness of the flesh. Man, there's so much information available to us. I love the age that we're in. I love the information age. It's fantastic, but it's been this great leveler of truth, unfortunately. I mean, you could have, you could have the truth of somebody like A.W. Tozer speaking something and then some crazy, whacked-out dude that lives in his mom's basement that, that's given his opinion about things, and, and, and you're like, eh, it's the truth, right? You know? We've got to spend our time in the Word of God to be able to tell the counterfeit. Verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So here's his recap. He's bringing everything to a head right now. Everything 
that he's been saying. Everything we've been talking about in this study. Do you, do you recall? you recall what really took place in Solomon's life? That, that he had everything available to him. He had limitless money. He had limitless power and influence. He had limitless resources. He had limitless relationships, limitless sex. I mean, he had it all in front of him. He could have anything. So he had this big hedonistic project where he's like, I tell you what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dive in and I'm going to find out if there can be real meaning and real pleasure anywhere but God. And he said, I withheld nothing from myself. Nothing. And it really sounds a lot like Americans. In third world countries, other places, they don't even have that option. But you know what? We have, we have so many options that we get paralyzed from them. 500 channels, like, click, 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 click. It'll take 30 minutes. You'll miss a whole show just flipping through to see what's, a, what's on. Finally, you get to that show. It's like, oh, there's, there, there's the credits, you know? You've got so many options for, for dinner, and, and, and uh, you're going on date night or, or going out with some friends. It's like, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? It's like, I don't, I don't know. There's so many options. It's like, well, I don't know. It's like, go someplace. Well, oh, they're closed now, you know? We're paralyzed. Because there's so, so much that's available to us. And, and he pressed in. And, and he's really, he's telling us, and I think especially to, to middle class, upper class uh, environments and cultures, he's like, guys, look, I did it. You don't have to do it. You're not going to find meaning in the stuff. You're not going to find meaning in days and days of end of sex with different, different partners. You're not going to find meaning there. You're not going to find meaning in all the gold, all the silver, all the money. You're not going to find meaning in building the largest house and, and the, the biggest vineyards. You're not going to find meaning in having that title. You're not going to find meaning in, in having, in having all the, all, a bunch of kids. and I mean, all these things where we have these things we put up and they're idols in our lives. Any place we go to but Jesus for our meaning. And so he, he said the hedonistic project, it, it fails. And the humanistic project of trying to find meaning through blessing others and helping others, he's like, that fails too. Because it's, it's good to give and it's good to, it's good to invest in others. It's good, it's good to be a part of, of justice. But if you're looking for your meaning there and you're trying to make a difference, you're going to find that after a few years you're going to be forgotten and even whatever you did, it's going to go away. It's good to be good, but if you're trying to find your meaning out of it, that's meaningless. And so he brings it all down and says, look, it's all bound in this. Fear, revere, worship God. And obey Him. Fear Him and obey Him. Know that He's sovereign, that He's king, that he's in charge, that even, even when there's ugliness that takes place, even when the storms come in our lives, that we just say, I don't understand, but you're God, and I'm not. It's okay to have questions. It's okay. It's okay to, to be upset about when circumstances don't go the way that you're supposed to do. He, he tells us to knock, to ask, to come to him. He wants you to. He, he wants you, and he's given us great examples in, in the Psalms of, what it means to be brutally honest with, with God. He knows what you think. He knows what you feel. Talk to him. But in the middle of it all, just know that he is God. 
and that you're not. And he is telling a story, and he will win. He will be victorious. He will finalize the story. He will reconcile all things. And all those that are enemies and everything that's a perversion of what his great design is, he will do away from, do away with it, and all that will be left is obedience. The fruit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, and goodness, and kindness, and faith, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, and things being in the light, being in a community. It's, it's, what's, it's what's left. And so he invites us, to, he invites us there. He said, come to a place where we fear him. We revere him. That's not a fear that he's going to hurt us. It's just a reverence that we say, God, I, you're my God. I am not my God. You know, uh, 2011, the direction that we felt that God really called us to just focus in on was in the areas of worship and proclamation. Basically, to, I mean, to, to worship our God and, and to challenge people to proclaim the gospel. And uh, God did some, some great things there, and, and really those, those, those two fit right along of fearing and revering God and, and obeying Him, of drawing near to Him. Of, of, uh, one, of them, one of them is vertical, and from the vertical comes the power to go horizontal. It's like as you draw near to God, as you love God, He's going to pour out vertically to love, to love others. And, and we're going to unpack this next week, but for two, 2012, of what God wants us to do in the areas of cohesion and of mission, of drawing near to, to one another, and of being really sent out into our city and our world as, as missionaries. We'll unpack that more next week. Verse 14, the last word. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Just remember this, God sees everything. He sees everything. And for you, if you're a Christian, it's, it's not the scary, condemning thing of he knows and he's just looking for the opportunity to zap me. It's that he knows and he already zapped his son. It's grace. If you're an unbeliever in here, if you're one of our good friends that's processing the deity of Christ and what you're supposed to do with the Bible, just challenge you to know that someday God is going to put everything right. Justice will be served. It will be finalized. And everybody will be on one side or the other, either uh, through an acceptance of the, the, the grace of Christ, there will be forgiveness and mercy and continue. I mean, just got the adoption and be with Christ forever. But for those who just clench their fists and say, I need no Savior, I'm fine by myself, Jesus says, you're not fine, but you're going to get yourself for all of eternity. And I, I love you so much that if you are an unbeliever in here, just say, man, you don't want all of you for all of eternity. You want all of God for all of eternity. Lord, uh, help us as we process